0: women have something more to bring um, and that we need to change the narrative. Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast,
1: where we bring you fascinating interviews with inspirational women on a whole variety of topics. This week, the guest is the very engaging Louise Glennon, who is Women in Leadership Officer with the National
0: Women's Council of Ireland. It's not just... The left-wing feminists that are interested in this that this is much broader and that quotas are seen um, by women in business also as a lever for change. Women are 51% of the population
1: but you'd never think it by looking at the cabinet table or by the numbers of women in Dáil Éireann, or on the board of any typical bank or business in the country. As Women in Leadership Officer, Louise Glennon's job is to focus on the need for women in leadership in all aspects of Irish life. People want women, they want diversity and they're looking for change. In the podcast, she talks about the need to give time to the new electoral quota, which she says needs time to settle in for at least the next three elections so that we can evaluate its true impact. I
0: think people are expecting it to be the magic bullet that has a direct impact in this election. I think it's going to take three elections until we really see a critical mass. The National Women's
1: Council of Ireland are championing the quota system, not only in the Irish political system but also in the business world and especially in the boardroom. Louise talks about the launch of the Council's Better Boards, Better Business, Better Society report handbook, which she spearheaded. The report not only examines why, but also how gender-balanced boardrooms can be achieved. Louise is a great believer in the need for more data
0: to find out where women are in the leaky pipeline to the boardroom. Gender audits need to be done everywhere. It's something that we've been calling for even in the Irish Parliament to find out um, where exactly women are. Um, But we need to do gender audits in in media, right throughout businesses, absolutely. My name is Louise Glennon and I work for the National Women's Council um, as the Women in Leadership Officer looking at women in politics and women in senior levels of decision making in Ireland and how to get more women into both of those spaces.
1: Are we making any progress or is
0: the progress at a glacial pace? Progress is at a glacial pace definitely um i think we are making progress depending on what area that you look at it i think there are chinks of light there definitely um around the space of women in politics in particular um we have the quota now the fact that that um legislation was brought in i i think shows that uh, some of the arguments have been won and hearts and minds have been changed i don't think it's being fully implemented and implemented with the spirit of the legislation in mind um, on a national scale. But I think we're getting there. I think there are more there are not even I think I know there are more women that are putting themselves forward um, for the next general election to be elected as TDs Um, and that's a positive. And I think if you look at the results of the last general election, which is nearly five years ago um, and also the results of the local elections, People are voting for women um, and the the margins of the the women that don't get elected are far fewer than the men that don't get elected. People want women, they want diversity and they're looking for change Um, and even the subsequent by-elections as well. I think in three out of four of those by-elections, women were elected and we need to take that and listen to what the electorate are saying um, and provide them with more and more choice and, and encourage more and more women to go forward. So I think in that area we're making... Um, progress. But we also need to give the quota some time and some space. I think people are expecting it to be the magic bullet that has a direct impact in this election. I think it's going to take three elections until we really see a critical mass and until organisations nationwide are comfortable with rolling it out and don't question whether it's a good thing or a bad thing or an anti-democratic thing and um, we need to to see it for what it is and the purpose of it and as i said you know focus in on the spirit of it um, and, and trust it and allow it to, to run its course um, at least for three elections.
1: We were at that Women in Leadership North and South a few weeks ago and one of the things that some of the young women politicians were saying is that women are being put forward in unelectable seats or where it's going to be really hard for them to win. Do you think
0: that's true? At this stage I would be reluctant to say that it's, it's true. Um, I think maybe over the next few months depending on how many women have been selected and how far off the quota they are um, they may choose to put yeah, women in that don't necessarily have a chance, that may not be from the constituency um, or that may not understand or know the constituency well. I would be concerned that that is a, a path that we will get go down the closer we get to the election once it's called. I think another thing that came up at that
1: conference was, um, you know, if a woman doesn't get elected, that the electorate or the commentators are actually very tough on them. Whereas if it's a man doesn't get elected, they'd say, oh, she did, did your best, you can get out the next time. <laughs> Do you think we, the, the electorate will be forgiving of women who don't get elected?
0: In broad sweeping terms, we probably judge women differently to how we judge men. Uh, we judge women candidates pre-election in a different way to to men. Appearance comes in, how a woman looks and speaks and talks and sounds. And the the aesthetic things are much more important to us as voters when when it comes to women than um, in terms of how we treat men. I think then in that sense, if we look at after they don't get elected, that probably we judge them also in in a different way. I'd, I'd say the quota will come in for blame and that will kind of almost be associated with women that don't get elected. Do other countries have quotas or
1: what's your knowledge around that? Do other
0: countries have quotas and how does it work? I know one that I look at quite regularly in terms of why quotas and what is the positive impact of, of having quotas um, on a parliament is Sweden. Um, and they've interestingly implemented a quota not in the way that we have though. They haven't didn't bring in a law. Essentially they spotted a gap in the market um, as political parties and they wanted to figure out a way to activate women voters to vote for them it was a cynical move and they believed the way to attract women was to have women on the posters and they were right it worked for them and so they all commonly agreed um, all of the parties to have a quota of sorts but to achieve it internally in whatever which way they wanted and it worked out as a success and more importantly i feel is that they gave us the analysis that I read and through was over the course of three different elections after the first election women or the frequency with which issues that related to education childcare and social services hospitals um, and women's health started to increase they started to increase though because the women were raising it themselves but then after another election when the number of women increased even further men started to raise these issues as well and just the simple presence of having women and gradually increasing numbers of women and throughout the election process made it okay it changed the culture of the parliament and made it okay for men to talk about what otherwise in inverted commas would be perceived as women's issues and and like Sweden is widely regarded as one of the most equal societies in the world if we use that as our barometer and, and give it those three and um, those three election cycles and have a look at at the impact not on the election process but on the decision-making process and on debates I think that's where we really stand to gain if we're that patient
1: talk to me about said uh, that the women on boards uh, the better boards better business better society this report was issued this year what were the main findings and what
0: was it all about It was all about trying to put a different spin, for want of a better word, sorry, not a spin, but change the narrative um, around why uh, we need more women on boards. Um, And I suppose something that we struggle with here in the National Women's Council a little bit is, is the dominance always of the business case. And why is it? that it's the business case that wins out. Um, Why is it because the bottom line works? That's why we'll put our money behind it. Um, And there are so many positives for having gender equality in Irish society that is just that that moves beyond just the bottom line. Um, And I suppose, yeah, so we wanted to change the narrative a little bit. There's no getting away from the importance of the business case. And, you know, we have included that in the piece, but also the benefits it has to our wider economy and to the the state, um, and also to our gender roles. But we looked at a number of different levels, um, mainly looking at the pipeline, at the management level, and at the boardroom, um, and seeing all three as being really important. The boardroom, I suppose, for this particular report, being of the greatest importance from a leadership perspective, because um, I suppose the value of leadership um, and the simple optics of strong leadership and the impact that that can have at all the other levels, we believe is very important. Um, So leading from the boardroom, but not forgetting about any other level as well. Um, That, you know, for the boardroom to be effective, that um, the leadership pipeline also has to be there and be strong. Um, So we made a number of different recommendations um, about how to strengthen each level, including the pipeline, looking at um, family-friendly working practices um, right up um, through to um, implementing a quota at board level. So it's quite a holistic picture. um, And I suppose what we're trying to say in the report as well is that no one piece can be done on its own. We can't expect that gender-friendly practices is going to change uh, the face of leadership in Ireland and likewise to do a quota alone may only just focus in on a, on a small section of people who are already um, working in a particular circle and um, so what we need to do is, is create, yeah, make lots of changes all at the, the one time or in a, at least a phased process um, and hope that at every level with all of those changes that it will ultimately um, make significant change and not at a glacial pace. Well, they say you, you can't improve what you can't measure. So how do we measure the pace of change? There is in Ireland a huge lack of data. And I think other countries um, have found it also in the Australia and the UK going back maybe five, six, seven years but they've done a lot to address it. Um, here in Ireland, we haven't at all yet. Um, some companies have done pieces privately, but I think there's a lot of learning that like we can get on a national scale from things being done publicly. Um, one of the recommendations in the report calls for a Women on Boards review, similar to the Lord Davies report in the UK, and it's something that we'll have in our pre-budget submission, um, and also what that we'll include in our election manifesto. And we're trying to get also corporate support for that because many private businesses come to us asking for data and we in the national women's council don't have the the funding or the capacity to 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 find that data but like the the demand is there for it and the demand is there because people really want to understand what the trends are where women are um because I suppose often we look at the boardroom alone, and the figures there are stark. It's just over 10% of women in boardrooms. But they're they're boardrooms that are floated on the stock exchange, and there's only a very low number of those companies in Ireland. And we don't have enough data around small firms, small to medium enterprise, and where women are in leadership positions there. Um, there's no doubt that women are in the workforce. Um, And if we look at the number of women in the workforce, you know, that that figure skews things because women tend to be at lower or uh, middle management level and don't seem to get much higher than that. But a lot of what we know is is often anecdotal, mm-hmm. um, and relying on um, some corporates to publish results um, or good relationships with HR departments who might share the findings privately of their results. But what we need is is a national al- analysis, a baseline study, finding out where women are at all levels now in Ireland, and then setting audit, roadmap. So a roadmap. A gender see audit, see absolutely. See. absolutely. Gender audits need to be done everywhere. It's something that we've been calling for, even in the Irish parliament to find out um you know what where exactly women are both staff in the Euroctus. um and also uh, in terms of the, the sheer physicality of buildings being being quite masculine and male domains, um, but we need to do gender audits in, in media um, and in 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 right throughout businesses, absolutely. What gets in the way of women's leadership,
1: do you think, when they get to that mid-30s and then they start to fall away and the boys or the young men pass about the young guns, you know, and women get very frustrated, I know that
0: frequently I hear stories, and it's not all about childcare. Mm. What do you think gets in the way? It's not all about childcare. Um, definitely not. I think childcare is a really important part. I also think elder care is a really important part. Um, I don't think we value care sufficiently in Ireland. It tends always to be women that um, step out of um, the workforce to look after children, or women that step out to look after um, their parents or even their in-laws, um, while the male might uh, might stay on in work. There's a number of other issues though. Um, the gender pay gap, women get paid less than men. Um, it's often not financially viable for them to stay in work, particularly after the birth of their second child. The cost of childcare in Ireland is, the cost of childcare is, is one of the most expensive in the world. I think we're the second most expensive in, in the OECD. Um, now I know there are things that are going to change that. But I think even it's about looking at women in their early thirties and it's, it's actually not about them at that point. It's about even previous to that. Um, and looking at gender dynamics, even in the classroom, of how like in girls do better in girls-only schools, um, boys do better in mixed schools. And when I talk even to my colleagues who work in social care, if you have a mixed workshop, girls always are quiet and the lads are well able to put themselves forward. But if you get the girls on their own, again, they're well able to put themselves forward. There's something about um, traditional norms in Ireland and something that young women and young girls are even taught um, about allowing themselves to somewhat be subordinated or somewhat kowtow to to men. And I think there's something about even how we progress ourselves forward in the workforce and put our hands up for things um, and say that we want it. Um, Without I, being ashamed of saying I want to Yeah, or embarrassed um, to be perceived as ambitious. Um, and I, I, I think women need to become stronger at putting themselves forward at that. And by no means do I want to place the blame at women for not being confident enough or not putting their hands up, because I think that operates within like our lack of confidence or perceived lack of confidence operates in a in a quite a male ordered element you know where men are really confident and they have kind of set the rules in the places where women are trying to break through and um, and it's about like the, the pressure can't always be on the woman having to break the rules or smash the glass ceiling there has to be help from from the men also on that
1: i think there's a certain um openness from a lot of men as well who see this. and somebody said i think it was breed horn says she saw a huge difference when uh, senior men saw their daughters Reach their thirties, and then for the first time, they they start to realise, the, you know, the, the the barriers that there were to women's careers. So, there, I think it's we're pushing an open door. If we get there, would
0: you agree? I think yeah, men with daughters, it's it's a really good one. Um, I think <laughs> and it's and like so many people are saying that recently, that 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 they are the the potential for making change. Um, and yeah, I totally agree. I think there are nuances to things that only women really get Um, and he might kill me for saying this but you know my dad is one of my biggest champions Um, and but I think still sometimes you know he gets the equality argument and why women should be on the same level as men but he doesn't necessarily get the diversity of issues that women are dealing with to achieve that level of equality. It's not it's it's sometimes not just as straightforward as go for it and that there's so many other things to navigate. But I think the more we get those men on our side, the better. Definitely.
1: Louise, tell me more about the uh, better boards. What were the key, summary of the key recommendations
0: that came out of this report? Looking firstly at the leadership pipeline, I suppose some of the key recommendations were around um, creating a family-friendly working environment um, and having flexible working hours for women and men and um, encouraging paternity leave as well which I know um, is hopefully going to come in at the next budget Um, to to look at, at the workplace and to figure out a way to incorporate the family and, you know, uh, extracurricular responsibilities and to facilitate staff and to do a better job. And I suppose kind of revaluing even um, what um, it is to be a good worker. Is it long hours? Is it staying late? Is it being seen at the desk or is it actually, you know, getting the work done? Delivering results. Delivering results. Mm. Exactly. And then we talked as well about training and mentoring so that yeah people women mainly are given the supports that they need to to go forward for leadership roles but one person in particular talked also about sponsorship um, and the need beyond mentoring and training, but the need for an actual sponsor who will actively advocate for you, particularly at board level, saying, you know, I know this woman, and um, I think we should use her, and um, or keep her, or you know, put her in the right place. Um, and there was, yeah, one woman in particular said, you know, the, the mentoring was needed, but it was needed to get myself into a, into a space where that sponsor then would come in and and really drive forward for me um, and support me in terms of trying to get a promotion so I thought that was really interesting yeah
1: do you think women find it difficult to ask for mentoring and support or sponsorship do they they
0: feel kind of self that like, I really mean, should be able to do this by myself um I think they're getting much better um I I haven't come across an issue with women not being able t- to ask for help I think probably we have a natural inclination of saying I should around a whole lot of things. And yes, I should be able to do this by myself. I think women are much more conscious of the barriers that they're facing now. Um, And this climate in which a lot of people are talking about women in leadership, I think it has opened up conversations and given women opportunities to to ask um, for more. And um, it's kind of just, they feel maybe a little bit justified that they can ask for more.
1: What other recommendations did you come up
0: with? Unconscious gender bias training is a critical one that keeps coming up over and over and over again. Um, We all have biases. Being in this job, I, I'm hyper aware of biases now and I'm re-evaluating myself all the time. Um, but yeah, unconscious bias and how work is allocated, um, how decisions are made and how, even at an interview level, how decisions are made and how judgments are made from you know purely on the basis of how somebody looks or what their accent is like or their gender. Um, and interestingly, we were doing a piece of work with them um, uh, civil servants and we had a workshop uh, with women civil servants quite senior women civil servants and they spoke about gender bias in, in their departments um, and you know, how women are organisers and men are speechwriters. you know men do the the policy stuff and women organize the launch event for it and you know and and that's just a very basic thing you know women aren't just good at organizing some men are really good at organizing but they can also do the policy piece too and they shouldn't just have to make the tea now that's that's blunt um but there are we have lots of biases that um both as i say women and men have and like uh, there are interesting studies of even how women and men judge interview processes and women always get judged more harshly and they get judged harshly by women also and so you know this is a an intergender piece it's not just about men and women Um, and so yeah i think that's a huge learning and piece and Like uh, many private companies in particular are are finding really good results um, from doing unconscious bias training. There's a new piece, um, Mark, Men Advocating for Real Change. And it's kind of building on that piece that we were talking about, even men who are fathers. Um, and uh, just getting specifically looking at, at men and in challenging their biases and encouraging them to make change. And I know a number of companies, um, Dell um, in particular, are really championing it. Yeah. Um, and I think Vodafone are about to roll it out also. And they've, they've already sent some people um, to, to go on the course and have found it almost life changing, it seems, in, in doing this piece. And they use little examples like um, you know, showing a video of uh, a little girl running and that 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 joke about, oh, well, you run like a girl. How do you run like a girl? And, and it being a, a messy, awkward run um, and it being a slag, you know, it's, yes. it's a negative. It's a criticism. And people coming out of those that seeing that video saying, I have a little girl. She runs like a, a girl. Yeah. As, and, you know, why is that a bad thing? But all of a sudden there when when they when the language was highlighted to them, And they may have used that language themselves at times, but then they started to see, gosh, that is a negative. And why are we attaching like a girl as a negative thing? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just exposing our our biases that we felt or we feel are harmless. And, um, you know, that almost sometimes as well, I think we can overcompensate because of our biases. Um, And another thing that came out of that workshop with the civil servants was that people were presuming that because women had children that they may not want extra work or special projects and these women were saying we'd like to be considered for sure. it you shouldn't just rule us out just yeah. because we have children because men have children too and yes. um, they don't look at that
1: in the same way yeah no absolutely feeling in london crownfield university says that you know for executive education sometimes you know a a foreign assignment will be offered to a woman and and she'll say no and then they don't offer to the next woman who Mm -hmm. might just want it yes you know so a lot of executive training and you know is not even open to women in some companies yeah
0: yeah Mm. and also as well the presumption sometimes that um if someone is currently availing of um flexi time um that that it says something about their commitment to the job Um, and some of these women were were saying you know if a special project comes up and it's only a short-term piece i may be willing to gain that additional expert experience Mm. Um, that I'll be willing to come off my flexi time but if you know if you think I can do it ask me don't look at my own personal circumstances let okay. me look at those circumstances and make that decision for myself um, asking women if you, you know you identify a gender gap and that's one thing we'd recommend as well is that gender gaps should be identified in the same way as some people look at age they look at ethnicity they look at um whether you're an accountant or a marketer you know that that gender is a, a positive thing to bring to the board that diversity should be there so if it's an all-male or predominantly male situation um or and as well female that um you know to, to actively seek out um, women to diversify yeah to diversify yeah. Um, and that it's not enough just to say there are none and um, because there are you know there are plenty and um, women are better educated in Ireland than men are and um, but they do sometimes need to be asked mm-hmm.
1: In academia, I think, the, you know, the, the numbers of women who are at universities and 60 percent, you know, 40 percent men, yeah. for young men. And yet as the academic ladder goes up, there are fewer, and fewer women. Yeah, You know, in academia, I think it's less than 20 percent women at the top professorial level. Yeah, But we would hope that, you know, things will change and that we might get a little closer to 50 50. Because when you think of it, we're 51 percent and sometimes when you hear you know that this is a minority issue we say well it's not actually yeah <laughs> but we i think we probably don't call it enough do we do we call it out enough and say look this isn't fair and do we sit in our hands and just sigh a lot of the time when we should be actually calling it out
0: yeah i think we do uh, probably a lot um and I, I i think some women can often be reluctant to to name it and um, to call it out um and uh, for fear of it be of of negative repercussions on them for actually calling it a a gender problem and you know I've heard from unions often saying we don't get any gender um, complaints, no complaints on the basis of gender Um, and a a union representing people in academia and this was a woman saying it to me and she was like just saying we're appealing for it because we know it exists but women won't call it out for fear that they may get marginalised, they may then completely um, knock themselves out of the running for another. Not um, an unreasonable assumption. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I think you're right that we can sit on our hands and sigh, but that that can often be an educated decision. But nonetheless i suppose we need change makers there and we need to challenge the system and and i i would encourage women to stand up and i hope that the the recent uh, example with micheline Shees geffington and her colleagues in galway just shows that there is an appetite there now um but it's about you know ensuring that that is delivered in other colleges as well rather than just hoping we need to actually make it happen any other recommendations we were supportive of the government quota and for state boards, the 40% quota. Last time I checked, it was 37%. The target is 40%. Um, sorry, it wasn't a quota, it was a target. Um, and uh, they look like they will soon deliver it. Um, fantastic, isn't
1: it? It, it is, shows it can be done when you set a target. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, there's been a few issues along the way um, which I think have actually helped to drive the target, exposing um, problems where men were appointed um, and perhaps unfairly. I think that has really helped to, to drive the target. Um, it should be reached and exceeded. I think it should be analysed, what worked and what didn't, going back to your ge- gen- your disaggregated data. like I think we need to learn from all of our experiences. The quota would be the really biggest thing for us, um, and this is a, a legislative quota.
1: What about Halla thomas Daughter who came over from uh, Sisters Capital in Iceland? She was an amazing speaker at the launch of your um, Better Boards uh, document. What do you think we can learn from the women of Iceland, particularly from herself? And she was just like such a nice person, such a decent person and had all the facts and figures at her hands or fingertips.
0: Yeah. She was just great, wasn't she? She was brilliant and um, she was a breath of fresh air to deal with. Um, just no airs and graces whatsoever um, and she knew exactly what she was talking about she had applied and um, what she described as feminine principles um, to her company which she established prior to the crash not but quite close to it um, and essentially, sh- they the, the company rode the wave and came through very successfully. She was named one of Newsweek's Women of the the Year. She's got international awards um, for what she has done and the message that she conveys. And mainly, it I- it is that message of, you know, w- women have something more to bring, um, and that we need to change the narrative. Um, she's a champion for this um, piece around fathers. You know, the, it's the the men with daughters. That's where we need to go. Um, but. She she was really a, very much a champion for women's skills as um, emotional leaders um, and having an emotional capacity. Um, and that's not
1: a negative thing.
0: No, not at all. Uh, and being able to to empathise and relate to their team, um, and women being you know really prepared. She talked about even different funds and how you know even in financial circumstances, she gave an example of uh, women fund managers and how their return actually was was higher. I think by something like six percent and um, then then mail returns um, but she is just out there on this issue um and she's uh, she's unrelenting really and she's continuing to push it put it in a way that um is very um not not partic- not oppositional I would say confrontational. yeah, confrontational that's that's yeah what i'm looking for um and i think she she really helped f- for us from the perspective of the National Women's Council it was fantastic to have a woman being such a strong feminist and a champion of women Um, but she was
1: interesting the way she was talking about how they had a strike where every woman in the country just down tools (laughs) housewives bankers everybody you know and that was that was when things started to change and that was in the 1970s I think is that
0: what she said yeah it was the 1970s yeah
1: so what happens with this better boards now it's not just going to sit on a shelf you must be you must have great plans of
0: where to next what Um, happens next what I suppose this is an um, election period i won't say year given this we don't know whether it'll be towards the end of 2015 or 2016 we want to make uh, particularly the quota and the women on boards piece an election issue and um, we want the quota to be in manifestos in the way that there was the political quota in manifestos already and um, we want the the boards piece also um and then we want the the an Irish version of the Lord Davies report to be in the budget um, and if not um, to be in manifestos also. And we're building support um, with, we're reaching out to women that are game changers using Nora Casey's phrase, um, people that are pro-quota um, and publicly so. Um, and we're trying to build a platform and to present these recommendations particularly, again, the headline, the quota, uh, and the uh, the report, uh, and get those women who are in existing leadership positions to kind of help us to leverage this um, and to show that it's not just the left wing feminists that are interested in this, that this is much broader and that quotas are seen um, by women in business also as a lever for change um, and that aspirations are fine, but it's not until we actually set clear targets that we're going to achieve anything um, and the quota being that key target that isn't just something that can be an afterthought at the end for the annual report. It has to be something um, that is uh, that is legislative and that there's a penalty associated with it. Europe has always been a big champion um, and we thank God
1: for the EU because of we've, we lost the marriage bar and women couldn't work uh, if they were in the civil service. And when we joined the EU, that marriage bar went away. And um, we've had lots of legislation from the EU. Has that all stopped or is there anything coming from Europe you know, to assist
0: the progress of women? Yes. It's something that we have supported in this report. There's a quota, um an EU directive for a legislative quota coming in at a European level, initiated by the European Commission um, and it has slowly progressed from Commission to Parliament to Council. Um it sat in the council for I think almost a year being negotiated and Watered down, it must be said. The quota was initially 40%. I understand that it's gone to 30% and that the financial penalties have been reduced also. We haven't been given a date and nor has the bill been published, but the European Commission has said that it should be passed by Christmas. Um, so we have our fingers crossed.
1: Can we go back to yourself just to finish off? Have you any pearl of wisdom, uh, any advice that you'd say has stood you in good stead uh, in your life,
0: and your career to date? I think I'm probably regularly over-analyse whether I'm prepared enough, able enough or um, experienced enough. Um, and I have to say one thing I've learned from Orla O'Connor, my director here. Um, she had an incredible amount of trust in me, I don't know why, um, when she first hired me. Um, and she encouraged me to do do things that I never would have contemplated doing. Um, and my attitude, particularly since joining here, but probably always, but I, I feel like it's heightened since joining here, has just been like, go for it, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. And Nothing has ever gone drastically wrong. Yeah, I think that's kind of going to become my mantra. Go for it and fake it till you make it. Um, trust that, uh, you know, you're you're only going to be hired or you're only going to be asked if whoever is hiring you or organising the event or whatever it may be, they're asking you because they think you're good enough. Um, so you don't need to add an extra layer of judgement as to whether you are or not. Just trust them and and go for it. Get a good briefing and go for it.
1: That was Louise Lennon, Women in Leadership Officer with the National Women's Council of Ireland. As well as that great career and life advice, she's also given us food for thought on the need to give enough time to quotas to see and measure their effectiveness. Thanks for listening and please join in the conversation by letting us know your thoughts via the website womeninleadership.ie or contact us via email info at You can also contact us on Twitter at leadingwomenpod the next time goodbye and take louise's advice call out gender inequality whenever you see or hear it and if an opportunity for a new job or advancing your own career comes along park your fears trust in your own ability and go for it